Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Hear the word of God. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are in bed with me. I cannot give up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And, to the, one, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The grass withers and the flower fades, but uh, Scripture says the word of the Lord endures forever. Um, so looking at prayer then from this passage, uh, prayer, is, prayer is simple. Uh, as far as the idea of prayer, it simply means, it means speaking with God, right? Talking with Him. Um, maybe we use a different word besides just saying uh, talking with God because, because of the nature of who God is and who we are. So we're not just talking with Him, we're praying to Him because, uh, because God is above Him. It means we can't just talk to Him in commands, we can't tell God what to do. Uh, we're not instructing God, uh, we're not uh, requiring God to do anything. We're not even giving God advice about how we think things should go. Um, we can ask, in the old language, we can, we can pray, we can beseech, we can plead, uh, we can implore God to do things. Uh, we can ask and urge, even beg God to hear, to listen and to respond to us. Uh, but however simple of a concept uh, prayer is, um, we often find prayer to be very difficult. I often find prayer to be uh, very difficult. Some of you probably have New Year's resolutions for your, for your devotions, uh, for your devotional life, and, and things you're going to do, and your, uh, your time with God, and, and prayer, and your quiet time, or however you describe it, seeking God. You have resolutions for it maybe to be more consistent, or for it to be better in some sense, or for it to feel more fruitful, for there to be a more vibrant connection, and, and so on. Uh, but prayer really is, is an exercise of faith. Um, and it's an exercise of faith we often find difficult for us to continue our resolve uh, or continue our resolve to, to do it well. But if you find prayer uh, difficult um, or, or even difficult to, to want to do, um, you're, you're, you're not alone, right? Jesus' followers have had that question for a while. That's what we see in the passage uh, that we just read. Jesus' followers a long time ago had that question. You hear their request. Here Jesus is praying, and, and as he, you know, they see him again and again uh, going off and taking time by himself uh, to be praying, uh, they're, they're 
times Scripture tells us they're falling asleep you know, during some of these times. And they see Jesus praying, and they, they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Right? What, what Jesus has, what they can see in his relationship with God in prayer, uh, they long for. Um, uh, Jesus knew how to pray, and they wanted to be able to pray like him. Right? Jesus didn't feel like God just didn't care about the things that he was uh, talking to. Uh, he didn't feel like God maybe didn't hear, that his prayers weren't going further than the ceiling, or those kind of expressions. Um, nor would he just go through just not really wanting to talk to God today, um, not wanting to have to, to deal with God or go through that. Um, rather, Jesus had uh, the best father in the whole world. Uh, always present, always uh, caring for him, always uh, listening to him, experienced a deep and vibrant connection where he loved to talk to God. We see uh, throughout, throughout the Gospels, Jesus, even when all these kind of things and the crowds are gathering around Jesus in ministry and he finds a way to, to get away from them so that he can be alone and pray, um, to have that time in his Father's presence speaking to him, praying to him. In, in other words, uh, Jesus experienced the type of prayer that we long for. Uh, even if you're not sure what you think of Jesus and, and of God, you just that desire to be able to have some connection with something and someone uh, beyond us. Um, Jesus had the fullness of that longing because he had the relationship with his Father, with God who created everything and sent him uh, for our salvation. Um, and so if we have any longing for that, uh, Jesus is the one to talk to. And if we need someone to teach us anything about prayer, um, hey, Jesus is the right person uh, to go to. That's what you hear the disciples uh, doing. And some of you may not want to talk to God. But if, if you do want to pray, this is the place, the place to learn. Um, I hope this passage, both, <coughs> both tonight uh, and for the semester, uh, that this will be the request that we have. Uh, it's my request for us in RUF that we would be saying, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, don't usually stop in the middle of sermons and pray, uh, but we may do that more this semester. I don't know what all we'll, we'll do, but, but if we're reading the passage where it's, where it's saying, Lord, teach us to pray, and we're thinking about prayer, then uh, if, if you join your heart with me however uh, you want to, I want to pray and ask God to teach us to pray, even through this passage. Uh, let me pray for us. Um, but we struggle with prayer. We have difficulty praying. Uh, we feel like you don't care too often. We don't care. Uh, and we don't know how to have uh, that vibrant uh, relationship with you. We don't belong for the kind of connection that Jesus had. And so, Lord, we pray uh, that you would teach us to pray. Even this passage in the semester and through your word, uh, Lord, you would draw us close to you uh, so that we can know your love, so that we can call out to you and be heard and held close uh, by your loving fatherly hands. Lord, we need your help, and we ask for it in Christ's name. Amen. Um, in the rest of the passage, I think we see Jesus answering this request. They're asking, Lord, teach us to pray. And so all the things that he goes on to say for the, these next uh, uh, 13 verses or this section of it, uh, is Jesus answering that request, teaching us to pray. We'll look at three different sides of it as we go through. Um, the, the first one, the first point is, is action, uh, if you will, or, or speaking to God. Right? Jesus, so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, right? Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us. 
and lead us not into temptation. That's the prayer that he gives them. Uh, so prayer is, is something that you do. It's words uh, that you say. It's an action of communication with God. Now, Matthew has a little bit fuller uh, version of this prayer. We're going to spend most of the first part of the semester uh, uh, through, um, uh, through spring break uh, looking at that. So we'll, we'll get into all the things here. Um, but I think you also, one of the things you see is you, as you look at this prayer, it also shows you some of the reasons why we don't pray, or why we find it hard and, and difficult to pray, um, why we don't take this action, if you will, um, in, in each of these different, uh, different petitions, if you will. So sometimes we don't pray because really we don't care about God, right? Um, we may well care about ourselves. Uh, and care about what happens, maybe in us, maybe in, in other lives around us, uh, but the less we care about God, the, the less we'll pray. We should be praying about God's name, praying about uh, his reputation in the world. That's the first thing that's mentioned uh, in is Jesus' teachings to pray. That our first concern is, is who God is, and how he's known that his name, that his reputation is being uh, revered in the world. Um, if you don't think that God is, is real or good or powerful to do everything well, um, you don't really bother talking to him, uh, mentioning anything uh, to him. Uh, one of my uh, favorite conversations just in, uh, in going back in ministry, different glimpses of people, was I uh, was talking with a, with a non-Christian girl um, and, uh, who is, I guess, kind of agnostic, uh, she would say, and, and talking to her and kind of encouraging, asking her what it's like when she tries to pray, because she was just... Uh, she's just really open with me and honestly they tell me, tell me things about how things work for her. And she said, whenever, whenever I try to pray, I, I just start cursing in my head. Right? She's like, this is when I start to pray, like, I, just, I just start cursing. Um, and I'm like, okay, why do you think that is? You know? She's like, oh, I don't know. Like, maybe, they, maybe it's not just you don't know who God is, that you have, you have some kind of resentment against God. Uh, you're upset with him. You're actually running the other way. When, when, you, when you have anger toward God, you're, you're, not, you're not concerned about his name. You're not wanting good things about God. You're, you're cursing when you come to him, right? That's not going to be, um, that's not going to motivate us to pray if that's our, if that's our opinion uh, with God. At the same time, I've encouraged agnostics to pray, encouraged her to pray. Listen, then pray this way. So try this. Because I want you to be able to pray honestly uh, before God, and you're not sure what you think of God or whether you can know him or anything. So, so pray, okay, God, if you're real, um, if you're knowable, uh, if you're the God of the Bible, and if you show yourself to people, and if, if Jesus is your son, then, then show that to me. Then help me to understand that. Um, Try to be open with that. Uh, but sometimes we just, we're really not concerned about God's name. We're not concerned about God, and we don't want to pray then. Other times the issue is maybe that we disagree with, uh, uh, with God's agenda, right? Um, that we've got our list of priorities. Uh, we've got our plans, the uh, things that we want to see accomplished, and how we expect for them to be accomplished. Um, and we're not really praying your kingdom come. Uh, that if we go on a little bit longer, we may realize that we, we don't really agree with God's platform. We don't agree with the way that he's working the universe and the things that he's doing. Uh, find ourselves on the, on the other side. Scripture says that God opposes the proud and gives grace, shows his favor uh, to the humble, to the needy, to the lowly that he's lifting up. Um, it's not always the way maybe that we, that we like things. Are we praying for God's kingdom, his agenda, or our own? Uh, maybe sometimes we just don't think that God cares about us. 
All right, so why would we ask him to, to meet our needs? Um, and, and maybe you've experienced hard things in your life that make you doubt God's provision. Uh, but here Jesus and teaching us how to pray says to pray, give us each day our daily bread. And we're entrusting ourselves to God to meet our needs. Uh, of course, kind of our concept of what our needs are is a little bit skewed uh, in our day. You know, you need, you need an Xbox, you need new clothes because last year's are kind of you know, a little out of fashion. Or, uh, or currently, I need a cell phone watch. I didn't even know about this like three months ago, um, but I need a cell phone watch, touch screen, right? Uh, internet connected, has little webcams on them. These things exist, right? I need one, uh, but I need one that's like not this thick on my hand. So I'm still, I'm still working on that one a little bit. Um, right? When our, when our concept of need gets there, we're not really, we're not trusting God. Um, we're saying, hey, I've got a, I've got a want list. Do, do these things uh, for me. It goes on and says, uh, forgive us our sins. Right? All right. Rarely do we like, rarely do we like to admit to anyone uh, that we've made a mistake or, or just an accidental error, right? Or, or that we've messed up. We've been intentionally done wrong because we wanted what was wrong. Uh, we especially don't want to acknowledge to a perfect God, we're not good enough. We haven't met the standard, that we knew what the standard was, and, and still we didn't, didn't do it. I think oftentimes the reason that we're unwilling to pray to God is because we're not willing to come to Him in our wrongs, in our sin. Listen, it should be while you realize that you're sinning, that's the time when you should run to God. And we feel like if we see that we're sinning, it's like, okay, I need to stop doing this, I need to get that right, and I need to try to do other good things, and then I can come to God. Listen, when you're in the middle of the sin that you know you shouldn't be doing, run to God and say, God, I'm sinning away from you. Change me. Help me. Stop me from doing this. Um, without acknowledging admitting that we're in the middle of that, that we can't get our way out of it, and we need His help. Um, we're often not willing to come to Him in our sin, um, which really is ridiculous in light of how Jesus is saying it to us, right? Because it's not just... God, I'm really messed up and I'm wrong, it's, it's forgive me for that. Um, and, it's, and it's expressing that request uh, with the confidence of what God's worked us. It's ridiculous because God promised to us forgiveness uh, in Jesus. Essentially, when we're, we're not willing to come to God in, in Jesus, uh, we're abandoning Jesus as, a, as our Messiah and saying, I've got to fix this all myself. I've got to be my own Messiah. I'm the Christ. I can get this and then you'll love me. Uh, God sent Jesus to us in our sin while we were still sinners. Uh, God loved us and sent Christ for us, uh, for Him to be our Savior, for His death to cover our sins. And in Jesus, He says, I will remember your sins no more. As far as the east is from the west, He says, so far will I remove your transgressions from you. Uh, we get to come to Him in prayer to be cleansed, to be forgiven, though we come in our sins. But we have to admit those sins. Other times we don't pray because we, uh, because we want to be led in temptation. You know, it says, lead us not into temptation. Uh, over the break, I was you know, flipping through the channel of the in-laws and uh, happened upon Monty Python in the search for the Holy Grail. 
always worth at least like a five-minute stop, you know, enjoy a few laughs. And uh, so it happened to be the scene, uh, I believe it's Castle Anthrax, <laughs> um, where, where Sir Galahad is, uh, is in, the, uh, in, in Castle Anthrax with all these, uh, I don't know if they're supposedly virgins or what, but all these ladies who are, who are coming on to him, right? <laughs> Sir Galahad, the pure, you know. And uh, eventually, as, as things escalate and escalate, uh, Lancelot comes in and, uh, and Percival or someone else, and they, they grab Galahad, and they're like bringing him away. And he's like, no, no, I can handle it, right? And he's like, no, we've got to get you out of here. And uh, he's like, but this is my quest, you know. Um, and then I think as they go out, the, the scene ends with the, with the narrator voice going something like, and so Sir Galahad was saved from certain temptation, right? Um, Frankly, a lot of the time, uh, temptation is tempting because it looks really good. And we would love for someone to lead, lead us right along into temptation. Uh, it's much more pleasant feeling than, than to be led out of it, be led away from it, not to be not led into temptation. Um, God might keep us from doing the wrong things that we want to do. And that's sometimes the reason we don't pray. Uh, but the prayer is an action of speaking to God, uh, speaking to God with care for His name, uh, His agenda, His kingdom, uh, trusting Him to meet our needs, to cover our wrongs, and to protect us. Um, and Jesus is teaching us that prayer is an action of faith that places itself under, under God, uh, trusting God in all that we ask. Maybe you don't want to pray, uh, but if you if you want to enjoy the beautiful closeness that Jesus had with God, this is the type of action uh, that's involved. This is the type of prayer that he teaches us. Uh, but if you will, we'll go on from action to attitude for the, for the second point. I just had to come up with different A things, just a little something for you to hang your, hang your hat on. Um, all right, because the action can't be just... Uh, just wrote words or just uh, perform a certain thing and then everything's great, right? Just you know, follow this list of steps and you'll have a, have a great prayer life. Say these things. Uh, Jesus goes further and explains the attitude, explaining the mindset that we should have in prayer. And he does so by way of, of telling a story. Um, and the story, the emphasis really falls around, uh, around one word. You see it in uh, the middle of verse 8. The emphasis is on the word uh, impudence. There you go. It's on the word impudence. His point is you should be impudent in prayer. Look up different definitions of the word or the, or the, or the Greek word. From. Part of that is an, is an insensitivity to what's proper. Uh, you're willing to throw all propriety uh, to the side. Uh, it could even be translated as insolence um, or persistence. My favorite translation of it, though, is shameless uh, or shameless persistence. Uh, Jesus' point is that the attitude that you should have in prayer is one of shameless persistence, of impudence, insolence, maybe even. Uh, it's kind of a strange kind of story, but I think if you put yourself into it, uh, you, can, you can see the point. Of, it says, which of you, okay, you know, put yourself into a story. Um, someone comes to visit you in the middle of the night. Um, this culture, uh, hospitality kind of a big deal, right? And not like put on the show hospitality, but this is the, there's no hotels, you just stay with your friends kind of hospitality. And so you're supposed to tell, if anyone shows up uh, to, to stay there, to stay with you, you're supposed to be responsible to provide whatever they need. So we've got some friends that show up in the middle of the night and uh, no hotels around, no holiday and express that they can just check in out. They come to his door. 
this is also the day when like food didn't have preservatives in it. Um, so you know, if like you leave the bread open, it doesn't just get stale, uh, but it like turns green even. It goes, the food actually goes bad eventually. And, uh, it's, it's very different than stuff we get to buy. Um, and there's no like 24-hour uh, Walmart that he can just kind of huh, stop in the middle of the night, hold on to a snack and then it'll run out, I'll buy a couple of things and we'll be fine, right? He doesn't have anything for the people who have come to visit him. It's his responsibility. What's he going to do? So he goes to his friend's house. It's in the middle of the night. What's his friend doing? Sleeping. Uh, apparently, small house, everyone's sleeping together. They're all lying down in the same place. His kids are asleep. They're friends. He, he's probably been in the guy's house before. He, he knows they're all asleep. He knows his kids are asleep, and they're all asleep in the same place. But he's willing to go over there and, and knock on the door, right, and yell to him. Um, I, I would we'd love for you to come visit the story house sometime. <laughs> so anytime, stop by, call first. You can just, you can just stop by and come and see if we're there. But, but if you happen to come in the later evening after the kids would be asleep, Oh, please, please, don't ring the doorbell when you show up. Um, I, I'm going to open the door, but I'm not going to have a very happy face if it's like 11 o'clock and you just rang the doorbell. Um, especially if you have little kids and they're like, as soon as they hear that, it was already a two-hour work to get them to go to sleep and now they're up again and what's going on. Um, and if you come to the house really late at night, it's like 3 o'clock, and you ring the doorbell and I don't come to the door, I'll just stand there and like ring the doorbell again and again. You're like, come on, you got to come in there, right? Tell our whole family. Is, like, you, you, wouldn't, you, you, know, you wouldn't do that if you came to my house. This guy, is, he's out there saying, hey, I need you to get me some bread. I need three loaves of bread for my friend. The guy's like, dude, my family's asleep. The door's closed. We're all asleep. My kids are asleep. Can't help you, right? Um, the fact that they were friends isn't going to cut it here. He's saying, uh-huh. Talk to me tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not there for you right now. <laughs> but if he, keeps, if he keeps yelling, right, if he keeps pressing the doorbell, what's going to happen? <laughs> He's not getting any sleep anyway. <laughs> the kids are already up and yelling. He might as well give the guy his bread and let him go. Um, the, the man had no shame. He's waking the other family up, their kids up. He's messing up their life, but he's willing to do that. He's desperate. Um, he is openly desperate. Uh, he's so desperate that he'll gladly inconvenience other people and cause himself to look bad. Right, his reputation is not going to be very good with his friend the next morning. Um, he's willing to look that desperate openly so in order to ask for help. Because he needs it. Because he's, he wants to take care of the people that are with him. And Jesus is saying, that's the way you should be in prayer. Shameless. Shamelessly persistent. Finger on the doorbell. Ding dong, ding dong. Middle of the night. You're still, yeah, still present. Um, all right. Generally, that's the last thing we want to be, right? The rest of life, generally, I don't know, maybe there's something that you can think of. Most things, uh, the last thing you want to be is shamelessly persistent. Uh, take the dating world, for instance. Not a good idea to be shamelessly persistent uh, in the dating world. Uh, right? We call that being a stalker. Um, when you keep after the girl, she's told you no, and you're, you're still like, you know, she's defriended you on Facebook, and you just keep making the request to get, something must have happened. We weren't friends anymore, you know, request friendship. Uh, you ask her out, and she's like, not in a million years, and you're still giving her, so you're saying there's a chance, right? Um, 
stalker, right? This is, this is the last thing that you would want to be considered in the dating realm as shamelessly persistent, right? Not an attractive quality. Uh, once that's known about you, no one is going to want to, none of the opposite sex is going to want to be around you or, or let you know that they even have a phone or a Facebook profile or anything. Um, and, but God's saying that's the way that we should be uh, in prayer. Jesus is encouraging us to be that way. So, so why does God want you to be shamelessly persistent in prayer? And, and maybe let me remind you that uh, I think this is the way that Jesus was uh, in prayer with God. Um, for instance, it's not exactly attractive to be sweating drops of blood uh, and pleading with God the way he's described in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? If I, if I was there and, and seen that, if I hadn't fallen asleep like the rest of the disciples, and, uh, I would be, hey, Jesus, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, take a break. All right? You need to get hydrated here, maybe eat a little something. You definitely need to take a nap. Um, get, some, get some rest. You can pray later. Um, he was openly, uh, desperately, um, shamelessly persistent before God in prayer. And he teaches us to be that way. Um, all right, the hardest thing uh, in prayer, about prayer for me, I want to be able to do stuff myself. I, I, would, I would rather, like, figure out what needs to be done and, and, and get on it and get my hands dirty and get into it, right, and, and stop and just, just spend time or, or hours uh, praying about God working in something. And the things that I see that I can't do, just try to leave it. If it's not within my power to start to, to do something, then it's easier just not to pray about it. The hardest thing is I want to, I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be able to do it myself. Now, see this. When is it that you tend to find yourself praying the most? Uh, one, when you realize that you're already desperate, right? Uh, and you realize that what's required of you is maybe outside your ability. When you realize you can't do it yourself. And then you're, you're praying. You're asking God to help you. asking Him to do something in it. Um, and when is it that we actually need God's help for something? What things do we actually need God's help for? Everything. Like breathing, staying alive, continuing to exist. Um, uh, it's, it's all uh, from God. Every good and perfect gift uh, comes uh, from God. So it's not that God's like trying to make us look bad. Um, uh, he's teaching us faith. He's teaching us to trust Him. Uh, to throw ourselves upon Him and trust Him alone. He, his delight is for us to lean on Him. Uh, he's, not, he's not actually trying to get you to become the self-sufficient Christian. I know that's so great if it was like, hey, God's made me into super Christian. Um, and here I pray perfectly, and I never sin anymore, and I actually, I don't need forgiveness, and I don't need Jesus. This is great, right? That's not what God is trying to produce in you. I think half the time in, like, our Christian walk, we're trying to get to the point where we don't need Jesus so much. We don't need uh, him to have died to cover over our sin because we're, or at least we don't need Jesus as much, but we're kind of getting it more together now. Um, he wants us uh, desperately seeing how much we need Jesus and that Jesus is our only hope and coming to him in that light. Um, uh, uh, teach us to come to him like a child and to have, to have no shame. But to go to God again and again, uh, pleading for what you want, imploring Him for what you need, what you long for, because He hears, and because He answers. 
We're going to the third uh, point. We've seen the action, the, the attitude, and if you will, from the last section of the passage, uh, answers. <coughs> uh, and in terms of the spirit of seed, this, this is kind of the, the counterpart, if you will, to action and to the shamelessly persistent attitude uh, is that it's, it's not without its effect. Uh, praying as Jesus is teaching us, with the attitude that Jesus teaches us, it's not without, our, without effect. I think our, our deep suspicion and why we don't pray, or even sometimes when we are praying, our deep suspicion is that our, our prayers are actually worthless. That really what we're doing is wasting time. We're nervous about something, not sure how it'll go, we feel better if we pray, but sometimes we're, we even have to be like, okay, I'm just going to stop praying because I need to, need to go work on something. Um, uh, we, we feel like maybe either we're talking to the ceiling, not really heard, or that, or that God doesn't really value what you're saying to him. He doesn't value it enough to, to do anything about it. And Jesus' teaching here, I want you to see, responds directly to that suspicion. That it, that it has no effect. Jesus' teaching responds to our suspicions to blatantly contradict it. Um, uh, Jesus just says, everyone who asks, receives. Um, you may not believe that. I have a hard time believing that. I'm going to have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time believing Jesus. And I actually think that Jesus knows more than me. Right? I actually want to believe Jesus. Uh, he's saying everyone who asks receives. He says it in lots of different ways. Right? That the asking, the seeking, the knocking, it'll be, it'll be open. Uh, other scripture agrees with that. I see him out in John uh, 15. It says, ask whatever you wish. And it'll be done for you. This is an isolated verse. A lot of places through Scripture. James 4 adds a little bit more. It says, uh, you do not have because you don't ask. And it goes on to say, you also ask and do not receive because you ask it wrongly uh, to spend it on your passions. Uh, Jesus is, is clear, and he's clear in the context of prayer as he's already teaching them to pray it. The way, the words that he's taught them, the attitude that he's taught them. Uh, but he's saying, against all of our suspicions, blatantly contradicting them, that, that prayer, that prayer, is always answered. It's always answered. It's a strong statement. Now, I say, well, do we, do we agree with that? Do we think Jesus is right? Is he just trying to kind of snookers into actually praying? Uh, you know, maybe someone could kind of draw up lots of people who can say, here's these things that I prayed for and God answered them, Right? And someone else on the other hand could be saying, well, here's all these other people and here's the things that they prayed for and they haven't seen those things yet. Um, well, in the passage, what Jesus does is, is offer proof. A different kind of proof. He's not oh, one person here, one person here, and what they prayed for and whether they got it. He offers a different kind of proof. Uh, and his proof is it's just it's from the character of God. It's from the character of God as being uh, above us and beyond us, as, as being better than us. To say this, that to, to think that God will not answer and give us what we need is to imply that God's worse than almost any dad. And there's great dads out there and there's not so great dads. It's to imply that, that God is worse than almost any, any dad, right? What does he say? Uh, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, is going to give him a, a, a snake instead, a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a, a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Um, right? even, even like really lousy fathers aren't going to be acting this way, right? A, a child's dependent on their parents for, for what they need. They're, they're not self-sufficient. They 
kind of trust their dad to take care of them, look to him for things, ask him for food, ask him for good things. Dad, can I have something to eat? Can I have a fish? Can I have an egg? I, it's like, it, it's weird and messed up to even uh, imagine and picture a father, uh, you know, here's a son like, hey, can I have something to eat? And he's like, ooh, ooh, here you go, here's this poisonous rattlesnake, you know, out, and then his son's like bloating up and dying, right? Like, uh, I mean, that's, that's essentially the, the picture there, or the, the little scorpion inside the egg, you open it, you know, and uh, you know, rush him to the nearest hospital, throw him in the, you know, throw him in the car. Um, it's hard. But just, just like a few days ago, it's Christmas time. You got presents, you got to open things, lots of fun. Um, and, and at Christmas time, even a lot of not-so-great parents still enjoyed spending uh, probably way too much money and, and too much time at different stores to get, all kind of, get their kids all kind, of, uh, all kind of toys, all kind of fun things, stuff that they, stuff that they wanted to open on Christmas morning. Um, and do we really think that they're better than God? We really think that God doesn't, de- doesn't delight to be able to give uh, gifts uh, to his children. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James says, comes down from the Father. Uh, God delights uh, to give good gifts to his children. Um, more than you just enjoy giving Christmas gifts, God delights to give good gifts to you. Um, more than your earthly parents do. Um, he, he loves to know what you want for Christmas. You're praying to Him. Uh, he loves to see your desires to begin to, to match His and the agenda of His kingdom more. He loves to see you uh, desperate for Him, longing for Him to meet those needs, and He loves to give it to you. He loves to give you what's best for you. He delights in that. Um, kind of what Christmas is about, Right? Uh, where the whole thing got started. Um, God loved the world enough to give his son for us. Uh, loved the sinful and rebellious world enough to send his own son that in our sin we might have a way of salvation, a way to be reconciled uh, to him, to have a relationship of love with him. Uh, the example that Jesus gives in the passage, though, is that the, that the good gift that God supremely gives is, is the Holy Spirit. Right, Romans 5 says that God's love has been poured into our hearts uh, through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. It's the experience of God's love that he gives, uh, that he gives to us. Uh, ask and you receive. Um, ask God for good gifts and God will give you himself. Uh, God himself, the Holy Spirit, will come and live in you. Uh, and, and direct all your desires in the way they should be, and, and restoring you in full relationship with you will give you life and empower you. The very Spirit of Jesus can live in you, direct you in God's ways, help you uh, help answer the Lord's prayer in our life by sending the Spirit among us. Scripture also describes the Holy Spirit as the, as the first fruits of all the benefits that we have in Jesus. I like Right now, sometimes things are good, sometimes things are really hard, but, uh, but at least the way Scripture describes it, when Christ comes again, there's no more wrongness, there's no more anything bad. Everything is perfect, everything is glorious, everything is wonderful. Right? And the Spirit is said to be the first fruit of that. It's, it's the down payment that guarantees that the rest is coming. It's the present experience of God's kingdom that we'll see in fullness later. It says, whoever 
Whoever asks, receives. God loves to give himself to you, to give his spirit uh, to you, for you to know uh, his love. Uh, if that's not what you're longing for, then, uh, then you're not praying for the, for the right things. Uh, you don't know what you, what you want to pray for. The beautiful thing is that Jesus assures us that God will not withhold his spirit from you, uh, from everyone who asks. Jesus teaches us that prayer uh, is answered. That it's beyond worthwhile. It's picture with God Himself uh, coming into our lives and taking care of us. Well, prayer is a, a simple thing, we said, but there's there's many reasons for us to find it difficult for us. And the passage acknowledges a lot of those. It tries to teach us in light of those things. Uh, and, and the longings that we have to be able to even to express our feelings to someone beyond us. Uh, it, it, it's not a waste of time. It's, it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile because there is a God who listens. And if you crave relationship uh, with him, you can't command him, you can't instruct him or dictate to him your will, um, but you can ask. You can urge him. You can pray to him. And he answers. Um, Jesus, who has the perfect relationship with the Father, teaches us the whole purpose of Jesus' ministry was to reconcile us to God, to restore us in close relationship to God. And he teaches us how to have intimacy with the holy, almighty God. How to know and receive his love. How to ask and be heard and be answered. Jesus has made it possible by his blood. Uh, you know, like, what, what can I encourage you to? What can I, what can I leave you with? What can I say? Uh, in essence, Pray. Um, if, if this is true, if it's what Jesus teaches that we can really have a relationship with God where we talk and he, he listens to us and, and gives good things that we need, whether we recognize it's what we need or not, gives himself to us and his love to us, um, then, then pray. It's got greater effect uh, and, and benefit that you can imagine. Um, and, and pray as we struggle with it. Pray, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray to you and pray as he teaches. Uh, Jesus tells you, ask and it will be given to you. Uh, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. 